Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Pastor Julie was just up here talking about prayer, being unified in prayer. And I, I hope you're I hope it's resonating with you. I hope that's something that you're taking to heart this morning. And not just for this morning, but for the the weeks that are ahead of us. Last week, we passed out this little guide. And I trust most all of you who are here would have picked one up because we're inviting you to be a part of unified prayer. That as a a community uh, of believers that were in unity praying... There's uh, several points each week. It's not a daily guide. It's just something to remind us through the week of some things to pray about. And uh, in particular, our church. And there's also some scriptures to meditate on. We believe in the power of prayer. We heard it already this morning. We believe in the power of prayer. We're praying with expectation. I receive I receive testimonies fairly regularly uh, about prayer, and I have one uh, that came across my desk recently, and I just want to share it with you. It's encouraging to hear these things. And at the top, it says, God is a miracle-working God. We have difficult times as we go through life. I've had my share each time. I've had my share, and each time I have grown and learned to trust God in all things. God is good at all times. In July, I had a sore throat. Then the outside of my throat hurt to the touch. The doctor took a blood test showing I had a thyroid problem. Next, an ultrasound showing nodules on the thyroid. That doctor sent me to endocrinology. More tests while waiting. I was growing weaker and weaker, having chills and could hardly swallow. I could not eat. My throat felt like a furnace of fire. Then this test showed no nodules, and there was only some swelling left. The doctor agreed only God could have done this. Three weeks later, when I went back, no swelling at all. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you all for your prayers. Psalm 118, 23, the Lord has done this. And that's from Shirley West, giving us a testimony of prayer. Thank And, you know, that last line, thank you for all your prayers, because she was asking for prayer through that time. What a great reminder. What a great uplifting, encouraging reminder to us all. We believe in the power of prayer. And let's pray with expectation. Let's pray looking forward to what God can do. So I'm asking that you would commit to pray. Take some time during your week. Pray through uh, these points that are here and add to your prayer. And as I said last week, let's even commit some time even to fasting. You know that as we as a community that we're in unity as we approach the celebration of the Lord's resurrection, this is leading us into uh, Easter. And if you didn't get one of these, there are some available on the desks as you uh, leave this morning. We're also going to make sure it goes online tomorrow so that if 
You, can, you don't have it on paper. You can see it electronically. And we can build ourselves. We can build ourselves in prayer. Now, last week when I talked about fasting, I said that fasting was like my left-handed dribble. I'm really not very good at it. I've got to work on it. Uh, and I also said fasting can be something, it can be like something you've already mastered, but you just don't do very often. Sort of like riding my unicycle. Yeah, I can do it. I just don't do it that much. I don't bust it out. Keep it in the shed. And prayer can be that way too. Prayer in our lives, it can be like left-handed dribbling. We need to work on it. Or it, we can be very good at it. You just don't do it very often. But prayer is powerful. Let's make it a regular practice in our lives. A daily practice. And as we go into this week, it's the first day of the week, uh, the prayer focus this week is for leaders of the church. And we want your prayers. We need your prayers. And as you look at this guide, there's some scriptures to meditate on. And I encourage you last week, don't gloss over them. Take the time to read them. Take them in. Read them a few times. Let God's word speak to your heart. Let it feed your soul. And what this morning, what I want to do, perhaps to help you later in the week, I want to relate one of the scriptures that are in this guide for next week. And throughout the coming weeks, that's my plan. Just to pick one of the scriptures for the coming week. We can talk about it. Uh, and when you get to it later in the week, as you meditate on it, you've already looked into it. We've already talked about some of it. Perhaps it'll help even feed us more. So I want to take one of the scriptures from this coming week and relate it to the strength that we can find in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, for our own lives. And after this past week, of kind of craziness in the financial markets and uh, fear and panic about this viral pandemic. I, I think it's a good scripture to meditate on. I want to talk about it today and maybe even tie it into some of those things that happened last week. And it's the scripture from Ephesians chapter 6. I believe in our guide we have uh, verses 10 to 12. Yeah, we have 10 to 12, but I'm going to add to it, and I'm going to read all the way through uh, verse number 17 so that we have a, a little bit fuller context. So Ephesians 6, 10, it's a familiar scripture to many. I'm going to read through verse 17, and it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, 
and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the apostle that wrote this, his name was Paul. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. Great apostle. He had a, an amazing transformation, an amazing conversion to Christ. And in this passage where he wrote this letter to the church in the city of Ephesus, he tells of six pieces of armor. He gives us these images of armor, what a Roman warrior would wear. He talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals, which they're implied. He doesn't necessarily state them specifically, but that's what a Roman soldier wore, believe it or not, sandals. Not like we're accustomed to seeing a soldier in boots. But he had this inference there about the feet fitted with the readiness from the gospel of peace. And then the shield, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which he specifically said was the word of God. The putting on of all of this. It represents spiritually the putting on of Jesus Christ. The putting on of Christ for all things. The whole armor this, that, that this apostle writes of, it's an image of Jesus. Each piece is an aspect of Christ. And I want to focus this morning on just one because we could, we could have a message or actually a series on each one. So, so this morning I just want to look at one and it's the first one, this idea of the belt. He, he says it's the belt of truth and it's this first item in his list. And let's look at it as it relates to Jesus. If we can say that putting on this armor is as if putting on Jesus, let's look at it as relating to Jesus. What does the image, the image, the, the picture of, of a belt project spiritually to us about Jesus? Paul says that by the belt, he would have us to understand something. Truth. He would have us to understand truth. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The truth is Jesus. The truth is Christ himself. And that is no mere speculation. That is not some theory. Jesus is truth. He said it himself, John 14, 6, I am the truth. And our Bible is a book that, uh, that states it's about this Jesus and the truth. The testimony of God which he has given about his son. John wrote that in his first letter. John chapter 5. And John also wrote, study the scriptures diligently. These are the very scriptures that testify about who? testify about Jesus. And that's the words of Jesus. He said, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. The, the, whole, the whole canon of scripture points to Christ. It's about Jesus. 
the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. He's everywhere through our Bible. And he's the truth. He is the truth of all of its teachings. He's, Jesus is the truth of every doctrine in the Bible. And with there's no value, there's no power, there's apart from Jesus, there's no value in any of the words of the Bible. He's the truth. He's the truth of everything in there, all its ideas, all of its precepts. He gives every one of those precepts in the Bible its sanction and its claim. He's the truth of every single prophecy. Who did the prophets speak about? They spoke about him. He's the truth of every single promise. He is the yes and the amen for every promise. And he's the substance. He is the reality. He is the embodiment, the, the incarnation of everything we understand about truth. God's mind, God's will, God's grace, God's love, it all shines forth perfectly in Jesus. Jesus, the truth. Our Bible tells us the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. He's the truth. So we're encouraged through the, the writing of the Apostle Paul, put on truth, put on truth, put on Jesus. He's the truth. And Let's take a minute to consider how this might relate to us in a practical sense, too. So we can see the spiritual. Jesus is all this truth in the Bible. But the apostle wrote, put on the belt of truth as if buckle it around your waist. And what does it have to do? What does the, a belt have to do with truth anyway? Now, if we consider this was a letter. Paul wrote a letter to a church in a, a city, the Roman city of Ephesus. What did those first people who got that letter, what did they understand? Did they understand? Did they say, this doesn't make any sense at all? Or would they have understood what he was writing about? And I, I believe that they would have understood some things that he was getting at just by that, the very fact that he wrote, put on the belt of truth. And let's see if we can't discover something that they might have understood without any explanation at all. They would just take it in and say, yeah, that's, that's right. You're right on about that. And that, that. Let's see if we can't understand it, discover it, and then maybe make some application in our own lives today. So the word of the apostle was, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And it was the first item he mentioned. So it, it had some importance. He had a list there. He had a list of six things. Number one, Number one, had some importance, and he tied it to the truth. Now, what would those original people in Ephesus have understood? Well, Ephesus, remember, it was a city in the Roman Empire. It was under Roman rule. Since 129 BC, Ephesus was under Roman rule. There was the, uh, the Greek Empire before that, Alexander the Great, and then for about maybe 80 years or so, that city went through a number of uh, uh, control, number of uh, areas of control. But then Rome came in and Rome took over. They were part of the empire, 129 BC. And in those uh, early years, the city of Ephesus found taxation was pretty heavy. They didn't really like that. They did not like paying tribute to the empire. So there was a rebellion in the city. In 88 BC, 
The Roman legions came in. A legion was an army. The Roman armies came in. And they put down the rebellion. So the city learned a little bit about the Roman military. And then in 27 BC, Augustus was the emperor of Rome. And he made Ephesus the capital city of the province of Asia. The Roman province of Asia. So the people in that city, they would have understood Roman custom, Roman military. They would understand the ranks of the military, all these soldiers, whether they were in a legion, a cohort, a, a century. They would know a bit about this Roman military setup. And the armor that is mentioned here by the apostle, they would have understood it. No explanation required. The belt first. What would that have meant to this original audience? How did they recognize a Roman soldier? If, the, if a Roman soldier was out on the street, he wasn't in his full armor, he didn't have his whole uniform of armor on, he wasn't with a detachment of soldiers, would they recognize him? Could he be recognized? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes because of the belt. The belt, they would wear the belt even if they didn't have on the full uniform. So the Roman soldier could be recognized because of the belt. It was the belt along with the, the sandals that really were the distinguishing marks of a soldier walking around without all the armor on. But it was the belt that's primary. It was the belt that was the key identifier and the belt would often be decorated. Uh, th th there would be st strips of uh, leather with uh, brass on, on, on that leather. And, and it would make a distinguishing sound. So this soldier could be heard. He could be seen. He could be identified. And it was an important piece of their identification. It was so important that a soldier... If he was being disciplined, his officer might take his belt away. Maybe for some hours of the day, maybe for a few days. And to that soldier, it was an embarrassment. It was a really deep embarrassment. It was a humiliation to have his belt taken away. Why? He lost his identity. This is what set the soldier apart when he was out and about set him apart from the ordinary civilian even the veterans kept their belt and if a soldier was dishonorably discharged they took his belt away you weren't going to be going around being identified as a part of the military so they would strip him of his belt so what did it mean? What did this belt mean? It, it served to show an authentic identity. When someone saw the military belt, they knew, they knew, that's a true soldier of the empire. So there's this connection then with the truth. The belt signified an authenticity. This was an authentic, legitimate soldier. There was authenticity, legitimacy, truth associated with this with this piece of the armor and then when the belt went on and it was followed by the breastplate and the sandals and the shield 
and the helmet and the sword. The soldier then was fully prepared, fully prepared for service. But preparation began with the belt, with his identity. It began with truth. And for the Christian, for the Christian, this signifies something about our identity. Our identity being in the truth. Our identity being in Jesus Christ. And then being prepared. Then getting prepared. Making sure we're identified with Christ. Then getting prepared for service. to The service that God has called us to. To any place where he is he is directing us to put our hand. In the New Testament, uh, there is a, a, a fact that is earnestly, earnestly pressed upon believers. And that's this. They are not their own. They're not their own. When you've put on Christ, when you receive him, when you receive him as the truth, and he is your identity. You are not your own. You belong to another. You've been bought with a price. And what's the price? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the price he paid for our salvation. Now, Paul wrote uh, to the church in Corinth. The one who is free when called by God is Christ's slave. Well, that's some interesting wording. But he, he, he uses this image of a slave, and we've talked about it. This picture of being a slave, it means you're not your own. And a military soldier, too, under the direction of officers, they're not their own. They are to do as directed by that one that's above them. Like a slave. Not our own. Everything that we have belongs to the one above. And that's one of the paradoxes of Christianity. That while every believer we say has been set free. And we talk about liberty. And we've been freed by Christ. Nevertheless, we're God's servant. So our time. All of it. Our talents. All of them. Everything that we have. All of it. It's laid at the feet of our master given to him, given to him for his service, for his glory alone. Paul wrote this too to the, the Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And how broadly does this apply to us as Christians? Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul wrote in that same letter to the Corinthians, we're not our own. Remember that. God's claim extends to every part of our lives. And there's, there's to be no reservations. There's to be no uh, sectioning off. There's no compartmentalizing in Christianity that this is my Christian compartment and this is my, this is my, the rest of my life compartment. There's no a foot in the world and a foot in our faith. All, everything is to be dedicated, devoted to God, kept for the master's use. 
There isn't splitting life into two halves, one sacred and the other secular. Everything, everything to his glory and his service. And recall what we've discussed for the past several weeks. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, be true in your motive to God. We have repeated that over and over. Jesus did too. Jesus emphasized this repeatedly. Be true, be true, be true in your motive to God, in your giving, in your praying, in your fasting. It isn't for our glory. How many times did Jesus say that? It isn't to show off whether we're giving, whether we're praying, fasting. It's to be in humble service to our Lord. And Jesus stressed this repeatedly. He stressed it over and over. So our service to Christ, it's to be true. Our motive is to be true. True as it respects its object, and that's to give God the glory. True as it concerns every one of our actions, every one of our actions, every thought, every word, every deed, true throughout, true through and through. But our service, our service involves something. This is what the apostles writing about here in Ephesians chapter 6. Our service to God involves a fierce contention with an enemy. A fierce contention with, he writes, the schemes of the devil. Well, that's quite an image. And that's what the, the image here is being portrayed through, uh, to us through this uh, passage to the Ephesians. And what does the apostle say? He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. And how do you do that? Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So who is this devil? Paul wrote there's authorities and powers and heavenly realms. Jesus called the, the devil the prince of the world. In John's first letter, he wrote, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Peter wrote this, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the apostle wrote, we read this morning, as Christians, take our stand. We must stand against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. The powers of the dark world they're not going to stand still. They're not going to sit around complacent. They're not going to leave us alone as we come to devote our lives to Jesus. They're not going to leave us alone as we seek to serve the one who bought us at a price, who paid for our lives with his blood. No, no, no. The powers of the world, they want to stop us. They want to stymie us. They want to extinguish any glory to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The world does not want to give a single inch to us. The devil is going to contest every single inch of ground that we take for the kingdom of God. And he's going to do his utmost to hinder our service to our Lord and our Savior. So this is what the apostle impresses on us. That every servant of the Lord must be ready to be opposed. To be ready for opposition. And he gives us this exhortation. Put on the full armor of God. And that armor begins with the truth. It begins with the belt of truth wrapped around us, buckled around us. Ancient history, ancient Roman history, the, the Roman historians tell 
a story of a soldier. And I want to share with you the story of this soldier named Lucius Sicinius Donatus. He served 40 years for the Roman Empire, about 400 BC. The Roman military bestowed decorations on its soldiers, just like our military does, for acts of bravery, for acts of valor, and their decoration system in the Roman military consisted of crowns. We, we wonder why the Bible uses this picture of crowns so often. The Roman military, this was their decoration system, crowns. Sicinius obtained 14 what were called civic crowns. And that was the highest military decoration. And he earned these for saving the lives of Roman citizens. And then he's said to have received three mural crowns. The mural crown would have a depiction of walls. It was a crown that, that looked like sort of city walls. And why did Sicinius receive these crowns? Because he was the first through the breach in enemies walls the walls of an enemy city when they're when they were breached when they were broken down Sicinius was the first one through on three occasions and he received three mural crowns he received eight gold crowns for having rescued the flag or the standard of the Roman legions at the hands of the enemy very important to keep your standard above when the fight's going on now beyond all these decorations Sicinius is said to have in his house 83 gold chains 60 bracelets 18 golden spears 23 horse saddles these were all the spoils of war he was present in 120 battles it's recorded that he had 45 wounds but every wound that he took was to the front he never was wounded on the back and what does that tell us about this soldier he was always moving forward he was not in retreat and after having done all of this if you had asked this Roman soldier whether he had done anything more than he was called by his captain to do he would have answered without hesitation without equivocation no now here's a guy who everyone would say he went above and beyond the call of duty. And he would say, no, no, I didn't. I did what I was called to do. Now, soldier of the Lord, what is your captain? What is your captain requiring of you? Is he requiring any less from you? Certainly not. Surely no. But who's up to such service? Who of us is up to such service? And I'll say none of us. None of us by ourselves. We need Jesus. This, the necessity for Christ. We're ready for service when we put on Christ. The whole armor of God. Beginning with the truth. Beginning with the truth. By an act of faith, when we have put ourselves completely and entirely under Jesus Christ, committing everything without reservation, our entire lives to him. When we can say, yes, he is our all in all. 
And then our service to him, it's not in our own strength at all. But it's his strength. Because it's not my armor. And I'm so glad Paul didn't say, put on your armor. Thank you. He said, put on the armor of God. It's not my armor. It's not your armor. It's the armor of God. And that armor is his strength. The strength of his truth. Of his righteousness. Of his peace. Along with the gift of faith. And salvation. And the word. And there's the full armor. His armor. And there's our strength. There is our strength. And it's all. All of it is Jesus. All of it's Jesus. From the truth to the word. Jesus. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation in the word. Yeah, it's God's business. It's the Lord's business. And it's certainly equally his joy to hold himself responsible to be our strength. Thank you, God. Thank you. He's our strength. He's our wisdom. He's our provision. He's our victory in everything that we set our hand to, every service to him, no matter how small, no matter how big. If we're trying to operate in our own strength, think back to the weeks we talked about when we pray, when we give, when we fast. If we're doing it for ourselves, we've already got our reward. We're glorifying ourselves. That's our own strength. But operating in his strength, operating with his armor, we're glorifying God in us. And so every day, every morning, before, before you even get up to do your work, and then throughout the day, whatever comes your way, whatever issue, whatever task, make it a definite act of faith to put on Jesus, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the full armor of God, to always be ready. Remember we began the year, if you think back to the beginning of the year, we began with a message on faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Go back and visit that chapter if you can this week. And get near the end. Read, read near the end where, where the writer says, I don't even have enough time to tell you all about the great people of faith. So many of them who conquered kingdoms. They shut the mouths of lions. They, they quenched the fury of flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. And then he wrote this, whose weakness was turned to strength. Now how did that happen? God Almighty. Because they weren't operating in their own strength. It was God's strength. Whose weakness was turned to strength. And who became powerful in battle. Now I don't know if any of you were rocked last week. By a nearly 4,000 point drop in the Dow Jones index. I don't know if you're feeling weak. I don't know if you're in a panic about this uh, coronavirus. And I'm not saying to be foolish or... Uh, not take precaution, but you do not need to be weak or frightened or in a panic. You know, the enemy would want that from us. The enemy wants nothing more than to have you in a terror. To be terrorized today and dreading tomorrow. But are you part of an army rising up? Soldier of the Lord, what is your captain saying to you? Put on Christ. 
Put on Christ. Put on the full armor and stand. And stand. Instead of living in fear and dread. Because if that news is giving you dread, if it's giving you fear, you, you, you might be missing a piece of armor. Instead of being in fear and in being in dread, and as I said, not being foolish about what's going on, but we can certainly operate outside of the space of fear and panic. How about we minister to someone who might be afraid? How about you share with someone who's fretting about the stock markets and, and pandemics? Who do you have? You've got the wonderful counselor. You have got the Prince of Peace. We know the Prince of Peace. We know the truth. We know Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he said to the raging storm, peace, be still. Only, only Jesus can still the storm of fear and anxiety that churns within a soul. And so now is not the time to shrink in fear and in panic, but now is the time to rise in, in strength, the strength of our God, the strength of our Lord and our Savior, and to take on the powers of this dark world that wants us to be living in fear and in terror. Share it. Share it with those who are in fear. Share the reason for your courage. Jesus, tell those who are in a panic why you can stand with peace and with poise. His name is Jesus. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. And then the whole armor of God and take your stand. And, and let none of this, let none of this rock your world. We're going to take time to sit down now at the communion table. And to honor what our Lord and our Savior has done for us. And I want to ask our deacons and our elders if you would prepare for us the communion. And our communion table is open to all who are in Christ. We only ask that if you have a little child with you who doesn't understand, don't put something on them they can't understand. But we want to take time to honor what our Lord and our Savior has done for us. We're bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus, the truth. Let us remind ourselves today of all that he's done for us so that when we walk out of here today, we've got not just the truth, but the full armor of God. We're walking with Christ. And if we bump into anybody who's nervous, worried, let's share. Let's share our Lord. Now let's remind ourselves of what he said about, or, or what the apostle Paul wrote to us about our Lord giving his life in this time that we take to honor it and remember it and sitting down at the communion table. He wrote, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's the price. 
There's the price we were bought. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And we don't want that. And it's great that the, that the apostle went on. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep or died. But if, it were, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So as you receive the bread today, hold it, we'll bless it, bless it together. But let's take some time to look internally, to ask ourselves, are we discerning the body of Christ rightly? Because if we're off in fear and terror about what's going on in the world around us, are we truly, truly given over completely to Christ? Are we, have we truly given... Given our lives to him. So hold that bread. Hold that bread and then look inside. And if there's anything else, any anything else that you, that you need to deal with, judge yourselves. This is a great opportunity that our, our Lord gives us to judge ourselves. It's an amazing thing. So let's take it to heart. Let's take it to heart this, this morning. Look inside. Take a couple minutes to look inside. hold our bread as we bless it thank you God for this opportunity first of all to look into our own hearts God and judge ourselves we thank you for that God we thank you for that opportunity and we trust your word that says if we judge ourselves 
we avoid it from you. So God, as we've sincerely looked at our own shortcomings, we ask for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And we thank you for what Jesus has done. And God, we hold up this bread and say thank you for the price that he paid for us, that he gave his life to win us salvation, eternal life, paid the debt of sin, a capital debt owed because of our sin. Thank you for that, God. And God, help us, remind us as we receive this bread to, to completely give over our lives to Jesus and to put him on as our strength, as our complete protection as we go out into the world. Thank you, God. Bless this bread unto us. Bless it to us as we receive it together in that mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Let's eat together.
Father, we hold the cup, this cup of blessing that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, God. And we hold it remembering, recalling the covenant that Jesus made with us, gave his life, gave his blood, so that we might win salvation, that we could be spotless before you. Our sin washed away because of what he did. Thank you for that. God, we receive it. We receive it. And we're blessed by it. Now, Lord, as we drink this cup together, may it be life. May it be, may it be just an ever-present reminder for us. And as we leave today, knowing that we're under the blood, that we got the power of Jesus with us. Thank you, God. Thank you. We receive it gratefully in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Thank you, Lord.
our Lord and our Savior, thank you, thank you, thank you, rock of our salvation, holy one, righteous one, living word, you are the resurrection and the life, there's none like you, none beside you, you're holy, righteous, worthy to be praised, our Lord and our Savior, we love you, Lord, we lift your name on high, Jesus, Jesus, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, you're the wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, there's none like you, none beside you, we worship your holy name, we praise your name, we give you honor and praise and glory, Jesus, 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 thank you, Jesus, let's finish that, let's finish that, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this that you have in your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ? Are you going to walk out of here with the belt of truth around you, carried by all of the armor, Christ himself? Are you wrapping yourself in your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning? Because he's the only way, the only way. He is the truth, the only way for the world, this world that would... Put their, you know, hang their their security on something like a stock market. There's no security there that's lasting. Is there any security there that's got anything to do with eternal life? No, absolutely not. Wrap yourself in Jesus Christ. Put on the full armor of God. Get out there and take on the world. Share what you've got. You have a peace and a prosperity. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're worried, if you're nervous, if you haven't really fully come to that, you don't need to leave today. 
Come on down and, and, and put yourself at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, he paid for everything, every sin. Don't leave here unless you've got that peace. Unless you've got that peace that passes all understanding. I don't want you to leave without the truth. Let's sing that one more time. Let's sing through that again. If anyone need, if you want prayer, and I have, I have prayer for anything. If you're nervous about anything, even if you just want to come down here and say, Jesus paid it all, and I want to just honor him and love on him a little bit today, you can do that. We don't need to rush out of here. We're in God's house. Let's be together as a community in unity, loving the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Thank you, God. 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 Th
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anyone, anyone who needs, you want prayer, you want to be, you, you want to be anointed with oil, you want to, to, no need to rush out, no need to rush out. We are Savior and our Lord paid it all. We just thank him and we praise him. But thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for visiting us today. God, carry us with your presence. Carry us with your presence. God, as, as we leave this building today, Father, we just pray. We pray, God, that what, we, what we've heard today and talked about today, it would be real to us. It would be tangible to us. The presence and the peace of God to carry us and to take us. God bless your people. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Thank you, God. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands for a blessing. God bless your people. God bless your people. Father God, in the name of Jesus, bless them. God, I just pray by your power and your grace that you would shower everyone here with a blessing beyond anything they could ask or think. Lord, bless them and keep them. Keep them. Keep them. God, those are not small words. Bless them and keep them. Watch over them. Wrap your arms around them. May they have a confidence knowing, God, that you're keeping them. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to smile upon them. And be gracious to everyone here. Gracious in times that seem wacky and crazy. Lord, may your graciousness be evident. Bless them, keep them, smile upon them, be gracious unto them, and grant everyone in this room, every family represented, your peace, your peace, your peace of the Holy Spirit beyond what we can ask or think. And may that peace of God that passes what we can understand keep our hearts and protect our hearts. Watch our minds and our souls. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.